Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. We bring you a report on the cost of living as the government rules out a freeze on the increase on carbon tax to this May. Minister Eamon Ryan announces a major expansion to the retrofitting grant scheme, promising significant saving on household heating bills, but will it be accessible for those who need it most? And the FAI says it would be an honour and a privilege to collectively host UEFA Euro 2028 as they launch their joint bid with the UK to host the football tournament. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. tonight as the Taoiseach indicates the introduction of a package focusing on cuts for utilities and other charges by the end of the week. Virgin Media News correspondent Paul Colgan brings us this special report looking at what increases we're seeing right now and how they came to be. So where has the increase in the cost of living come from? Well it's driven primarily by a rise in global commodity prices. We've seen a big jump in the price of gas over the past 12 months and this has an impact on household bills. It's driven by several factors, post-pandemic demand, a tightening of some supplies and tensions around Ukraine. But gas isn't just used to heat homes, we also burn it to generate electricity. So we've seen electricity bills increase sharply. This has been compounded by a lack of wind over the past 12 months or so. When we're not able to generate wind energy, we rely more so on gas. And this is feeding directly into household bills. We must deal intelligently with this. The priority right now is to see can we bring in a range of measures that would cushion the blow for many, many people out there. The government had originally proposed a 100 euro electricity credit that would go to all households, but this is very unlikely to meet the average increase in the average bill. Energy traders meanwhile believe these sort of prices will be sustained for a considerable period of time. Meanwhile, the price of oil is also driving up the cost of petrol and diesel. It could soon test $95 a barrel, with some speculation that a barrel of oil could soon cost $100. The opposition has called on the government to put off a planned increase in the carbon tax, but it seems the government is not going to do that. I think apart from universal payments, there has to be a more tailored and targeted approach for those particular families and individuals who are really struggling. And in some cases, I can tell you, who are their heads are already below water. But it's not just oil and gas that is increasing in price. Almost every component tracked by the CSO went up over the past 12 months. Things like food and drink, clothing and communications. And then there's Ireland's longest standing problem, that of housing. Despite two years of a pandemic, we saw house prices and rent increase relentlessly. 
Paul Calkin with that report. Well, joining me in studio to consider some of the measures that could be introduced to try and alleviate the pressure of <clears throat> these price increases is Rose Conway-Walsh, TD for Sinn Féin, Josepha Madigan, Minister of State for Special Education and Inclusion, and Jed Nash, TD for the Labour Party. Um, so there's been an awful lot of talk, as we know, about the cost of living and how it's really hitting people in their pockets. And I know that we, we will have these proposals being, being brought to Cabinet and being discussed. There's a number of measures coming up, hopefully, hopefully Josepha Madigan, within a timely fashion. But what expectations should people have? Um, we've heard from your colleague Sean Fleming today that when it comes to these price increases, people should shop around. Is that the message from government? Um, I don't think that's the message from government. Uh, I mean, people will probably shop around anyway. I think they're doing that already. Um, but, you know, government has always recognised, um, and in fact, going back to the budget, we recognise that there is an issue in terms of cost of living. Um, we put in an, an income tax package worth 320 million. Um, we put in a social welfare package worth 350 million. And um, the Tónishta was absolutely intent on making sure that we got a, a social welfare package, a tax package. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's very difficult for people at the moment. And the problem was the Department of Finance had actually predicted that there would be, you know, inflation at, you know, I think two and a quarter percent. And it actually was 5.7 in December and now it's at 5 percent. And I think we saw in your in your video there um, that a lot of that is down to global and international difficulties. Yeah. You know, with the, with know the, the price oil we prices. Do know, we do know the warnings after, were there. Uh, they were the, there the, around the, budget time. There were calls from the opposition to do something then. And I'm just thinking about the message that was put out there this evening. That really, it's up to us at home to look at what we're paying for things and to see how we can get the price down. When we know inflation is at this, you know, decades-long high at the moment, and that it's up to us to go to a different supermarket or to log on and to go online onto price comparison sites to change our, our energy suppliers. Is that what we should all be doing? No, I, I, that's not what, absolutely not what people should be doing, but I think they're going to do that. What do you do make that. of that I message? Think that, I think they're, but I think people are going to do that anyway, Claire. I, I think we can all accept that. And that's, that, somebody's entitled to shop around if they so wish. But I, but I think that misses the point. Um, like, it, you know, that the government will support and, and hasn't been found wanting at all during the pandemic in terms of supports and will continue to give those supports um, and particularly for low income work, uh, okay. earners um, it's, it's really important that we do that. Rose you want yeah. to come and, in on that? I mean I think I heard uh, Sean Fleming this afternoon I was quite shocked actually because the people that I'm talking to on the ground they're very very good at budgeting they know how to shop around people in rural areas often don't <clears> have the choice even to do that but it was completely abdicating any responsibility from government I mean, this has been a crisis that has been flagged up for months and months now. And the cost of living is now at a situation where it's completely out of control. And I think we put 366 million into yes, the fuel allowance, 80, 80%, um, which helps 80% well. of what Joseph had talked about earlier, 80% of earners didn't benefit at all from it. Well, no, and I, that's I the problem. That, and I think uh, even Rose. now, even now, listening to the, the radio this evening, you can see that there isn't a recognition that we are in a real crisis. So take the woman, for instance, that I spoke to in Castlebar on, uh, on Saturday and doing my mm -hmm. clinics in Castlebar. 
she's, her rent was increased from 750 to 1,000 euro a month. She's parenting her own, on her own with three <clears> children. Her childcare costs are over 1,000 euro. You know, like, what it, do you tell her? Shop around. If I you can't do there, that. Um, we I, haven't I, had the, we Rose, haven't Rose, had the Rose, Rose, Rose is actually, I mean, first of all, you're choosing, to, you're choosing to completely ignore what I just said about the social welfare package of 520 no, million. she's working. Uh, or she's 550 working, million. she's earning. I know, I appreciate you know? that. But, like, unfortunately, this is Sinn Féin. It's completely hypocritical. They had an alternative budget, which they actually published, where they were going to put four separate taxes on the Irish people. So let's we, be honest we had here. A, yeah, we had, cost, a, we had an alternative budget. Budget. At a cost of one billion, that which we, was in, including an we employer's PRSI you tax, know, which would directly affect This doesn't help anybody respond to that. Yeah, well, what we have said, in the, for instance, in terms of rents, we have shown how you can give one month's rent back to people through to a tax rebate. Uh, also, how we mm. need and to we cap, them, with cap the cost of rent. You're going dealing with them. But okay. for, the, for well, the person who's right here and right now having to pay hundreds Sinn of Féin euro a month more than that. Inheritance, that. Tax, okay. inheritance tax to 36%. Mm. Um, Nash, there's I want, I want to bring you in things. on this in terms of what um, you know, the government is announcing. They're, they're talking about you know, targeting um, those who are really uh, feeling the pressure here. Do you agree with the, the, the measures that are being discussed around this, um, well, you know, the yeah. hardship package and those measures that are, um, well, you, you know, likely to come into place. We, we, we've heard an awful lot of uh, talk, but very little action. Um, the real action our government could have taken uh, over the last two weeks was to support a very comprehensive uh, package, a set of proposals, fully costed, that we presented uh, to the Dáil uh, two Wednesdays ago, which included, for example, uh, a cut uh, to uh, the VAT on fuel and energy, a rent freeze, the kind of which we did back in 2015, and a proposal as well to increase pay for those who are the lowest paid across our society. And unfortunately, the government chose to uh, vote that uh, down. The reality is they're actually... They have only, to, they, they the, the reality would, is... That, would, it be, if, would it be the, fair the, to say the, the they wanted to come is, up with their own plans here? The, the, the reality is that there have actually only been two proposals so far from government. One is this gimmicky €100 Euro, uh, off your electricity bill, which is really poorly targeted. It uh, impacts on people, or, uh, people who, you know, can afford to pay their bills, we'll get it, but those who need most will get that as well. It's not targeted at all. And the second proposal was from uh, Minister Fleming this afternoon. I think it was really offensive, mm. his appeal to people simply to shop around. We heard no concrete proposals yet from government in terms of how they can help people through this unprecedented experience in terms of the cost well, of living. Actually, what Ireland needs is a pay rise. We know yeah, the reality Jeff, is that, that Ireland is... You know, we talk a lot about what government should do, and absolutely we should, but we don't talk enough about the structural reasons why people in fact can't meet their bills and that's because over 20% of all Irish people are low paid. We need to look again at the minimum wage and we need to finally yeah, transfer and translate yeah, the there. minimum just, wage into just, real living wage because say, one third of all Irish workers yeah, earn okay. below 12 dollars yeah, an hour. That is being made Which in general say, about, about what, what L- may L- or may not be announced that yeah. the government is out of touch with what's happening yeah, and can, how can, can, I just deeply pay- people are currently feeling the yeah, pinch. And, I, and, I, and I, I talk to constituents every day and I know how difficult it is is for them but I mean there, there are some things like you know the government doesn't get everything right but I think we do know the party leaders are meeting this evening there is going to be a suite of measures that's going to be announced shortly I understand um, and you know for, in relation to low pay that's two-thirds of median pay and in Ireland we have actually increased in fact Fianna Gael has increased the minimum wage by six six times since it's been in government well, uh, it's now at 1050 by 30 percent in the last budget and we also have the but eight, you want employers now to offer a pay rise where they can. 
eighth isn't, highest. Isn't that the case? That's what I'll, I'll answer that now in a second. But just to say, we're the eighth highest it. medium um, national earnings uh, annually uh, in, and out one, the 27 of the member, member states. The European Union. And the second the highest problem. minimum wage out of 21 member states of those member states okay, that have so, a minimum but, but, wage. So I just want to put that into context. Is employers where they can offer a pay rise should, but the government He's, isn't going he, to do anything about. No, about, that's not true. And I, th I, I think right right that, now that, though that, it's not it's, that, it's actually that's disingenuous. It's been, I think, but it's I think not being considered a budget of sorts. The measures that are coming into place, you're not going to target social welfare payments. Am I right? Well, I think, you know, Jed and I were talking earlier on about Dr. Alan Barrett, uh, who, who, who I heard this morning on the radio, and he said himself, it's tremendously difficult to deal with this, and we need a targeted approach. There will be social welfare support. There will be supports what that are coming. What support? I'm not privy to the, the detail. I think, I think the, the party leaders are discussing them at the, the moment. One of the ideas that he flagged and, and, and was I, around a bonus payment similar to the Christmas bonus. The government wasn't found wanting, as I said earlier, and it won't be found wanting dealing okay. with the cost well, of living. Well, that's good. We all it's look really forward to issue. tomorrow then. We know it acutely, like, I remember the recession well. I'm old enough and probably older than m most people here on the panel. I remember the recession. There was absolutely no supports from the government at that particular time. There are supports now. There were yeah. supports during the pandemic. Oh. And we will look after people. But we have to do it properly. You can't have a knee-jerk reaction and get things okay. wrong. OK, I do want to talk about the carbon tax. It's something um, Sinn Féin feels very strongly, that the, the carbon tax increase that is expected to come in in May of this year should be postponed. Mm. Now, we know or we hear from government that that money is currently being ring fed for the likes of retrofitting, for making our homes warmer. Um, and it, and it's, it's long overdue to, 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 for us to take some action on climate. Why does Sinn Féin feel it's so important then to, to freeze this carbon tax? Because we're in the middle of an absolute crisis and because people are in such um, dire straits at this particular time. What we have said, not, so we have said uh, to hold on that. I think it's an absolute insult to people to be adding on top of the energy prices as they are when people can't mm. afford their bills to be saying we're actually going to put more on top of that. What about what well, Martin was saying that, you know, you can't sort of flip flop on this. We've made a commitment around, you know, what we're going to do as a country um, regarding our climate action plan and carbon tax is sort of central to that and to chop and change according to the cost of living is something that that's that means we won't reach our targets no because i think it's such an unprecedented uh, crisis that's why we need to do it we just need to hold back on it to at least hold back on it for the moment i think everything should be put on hold i don't think we have even reached the peak of this inflation crisis yet i think that may happen around april april or may time that be so your really priority would to that be your priority Fain's priority when it comes to what we do to target the cost, the cost of living, it, it, the carbon we, tax. It, it would seems be, it, to be the headline. No, it would be one of the things, but we have you. also said no, in it, terms of VAT, in terms of the reduction on VAT, on energy prices, and that Fain, needs what, to be done, but also on childcare, on rent, on many things across the board. Okay. Well, and we, we have been flagging this for months and months, Claire. Okay. And we're now in February. Uh, we, we've given extra allocations to, to, towards childcare, and you know that. But what you're but planning it, to do is just in your alternative budget is to tax the Irish public an extra can we talk, Josepha, just about the carbon tax? Can we talk about this? So rather than charge the carbon tax, it's due to go up in May. No, it will see. Yeah, by 2.5%. Yes, so it will see natural gas bills increase by 93 euro per year. Home heating oil by 103 euro per fill. Is there a case in these straightened times to halt that rise? Well, first of all, it is a low rate to fund. 2.5% per litre, right, which is happening in May. We have a commitment to the programme for government to go up annually 750 per annum, okay, for the, for the carbon tax. 
five billion is going to be raised for retrofitting, which I know we're talking about later in the show. Um, three billion is going to go towards helping social welfare and, and target supports like that, and 1.5 billion then uh, for other measures. I mean, you cannot tackle the climate crisis. You know, so Sinn Fein, on one hand, will say, "Well, we support the, moving towards the green economy and incentivising no, no. people," um, and yet you're not supporting the carbon tax. Yeah. So you can't yeah, have it. The carbon way. tax is done to change. Look, I come from rural Ireland. The carbon tax is done to change people's behaviour. It wasn't supposed to be a revenue generator exercise. There is no alternatives in place in terms of public transport. How do you pay for transport. the deep retrofit? How do you pay to, to make people's homes warmer? This has well, always been the argument from government yeah. that everything that's yeah. taken yeah. in terms of that yeah. carbon tax yeah. is going towards a more sustainable yeah. future. And we've had billions already gathered in carbon taxes and we haven't seen anything for it. And what, the cons- what my concern there, there, is, is around the retrofit. I need to bring in, I need to bring in Jen Nash there, there, on this. There needs to be a direct relationship between carbon tax and retrofitting. And, and there is. And we're all looking forward to seeing So the you're happy enough the, that, that, no, that, that, that that increase goes ahead in There are alternatives. We need to decarbonise our economy and our society. The planet is burning. Uh, The climate crisis is there for everybody to see. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very responsible about that. Mm -hmm. The point I'm making is this. You know, we generated €400 million extra in VAT receipts compared to the last comparable month. uh, That was January 2020, pre-pandemic. €400 million uh, in excess VAT receipts. Mm -hmm. Our view is that that, those supernormal VAT receipts should be redistributed mm-hmm. to those who need them most through VAT cuts on fuel and energy to allow yeah, people to make Yeah, let's talk about that. That's the way to do it, and that's the way to properly okay, target so not, the not VAT, a gimmicky 100 VAT euro off is, is 13.5%, uh, just 13.5% currently. And the argument from government mm-hmm. is that, you know, under EU codes, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to bring that down yeah. as as, as we, we might, may wish, as hauliers may wish, as people who are filling up. I know that it is now, the price of filling a car is at its highest in 30 years, new figures have shown. Um, do you buy that? It is difficult, that's a fact. Um, but the point is that I've been raising... Uh, are you the, saying do it regardless? No, no, Find I'm not. a way of doing I, and it? you can't. You would require a derogation from the European Commission mm-hmm. under EU VAT rules, and we signed up to EU VAT rules, and that's a given, that's, that's understood. The point I'm making is this, that in September we flagged the difficulties that this economy and people across the country were going to experience with uh, higher prices through the winter and through the springtime. The government chose not to open up a dialogue with the European Commission mm. at that point in time. That's why we were arguing for inflation-busting social welfare increases okay. so people's standard I, I of living could be maintained. That, there hasn't been, uh, uh, that was anticipated. Uh, there was no formal conversation, no formal dialogue Are we likely to That's an indictment of the government. Okay, it really I just is an indictment to, of the I just government. want to, well, well, to well, ask well, Josephine well, about that. Is that potentially something that could change? He's the current of the Eurogroup, so he will know more than most what he can and can't do under the constraints of European but look, I, I, the party leaders, as I said, are meeting this evening. They will look at everything. If they can, I'm sure they will. But I, 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 I doubt it if it's something that Pascal has already spoken about. Um, but there are other measures that we can do that, w- that will be done. Like and what? The, I, just the, specifically the, the, on the price of filling up a car, um, the last day of January, the average retail price of a litre of petrol was 175.5 cent and it's 166.1 cent for diesel. So how do you propose making that cheaper? Yeah, and this is the difficulty. 
you know, um, and, you know, I, I, I think this is something that we're going to be looking at um, into the future when we're going to be moving towards getting people to use uh, e-vehicles. So and, what would you, and, no, but and, right now, and, so, so and we right know now, there are grants well, available well, for electric my, my vehicles, they're still very well, expensive. Well, my understanding it, in relation to the, measure, into the measures that they're speaking about is that one of the things that has been specifically raised my understanding is, because I'm not privy to the discussions, is that whatever money is given will be given swiftly, um, so that it's not in, in, in a matter of months, because people need it now. Um, and I, I do understand that Tisha was talking about this from, from, the, from prices a, a, at the pump. a medium term at the moment. I'm not sure what, what measures there, they will look at. That, that's, that's above my pay grade, but they there, will discuss it. And, and there's see one what way they to reduce do. costs for commuters, and that is to bin the ridiculously poor remote working legislation that the Tallinster presented two weeks ago well, I, and actually adopt the Labour Party's proposals strategy. in terms of the strategy. right yeah. to uh, request uh, remote work, a, a more balanced approach that would favour working people. We know what the benefits of working from home, how productive people can be. I'm dealing with constituents all the time in Louth and East Mead who were instructed to go back to their Dublin City Centre offices two weeks ago and charged them over €100 the, Euros a week extra to fill their car. Right and in fact, the National Transport Authority committed, uh, and Eamon Ryan committed before Christmas, to provide for you know blended tax saver train tickets. And last week, the NTA got back to me and told me, in fact, it's not going to be possible, at least until the middle of this year. So well, the there are still you know, really significant cost things that, okay. uh, that workers are, have, to, have to you know, shoulder, uh, while government really needs to intervene, right. and they really need to okay. you know, have the backs of people, and here. they don't. Um, just on, on the, 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 the issues that matter or should be looked at now, um, you know, welfare payments, USE, some people have said, mm. should be looked at. All of these things, though, fall into what would be classed uh, budgetary moves, mm. would they not? Um, do you think a, a mini-budget, a budget, is what is appropriate at this time? Is that what Sinn Féin Well, thinks? I think a mini-budget it could be, but I think it's more important that the measures are done immediately and that they have immediate impact. So the thing like the five million discretionary fund that we have suggested for months now, and, and the VAT. I mean, I think it's disgraceful that Pascal Dono hasn't gone to the EU and, and got a derogation already. He's had six months to do this. Mm -hmm. Now we're in it's February looking for permission to do it. Well, it's not straightforward, and I know no, it's difficult, but how state. difficult so is yeah. it well, for I mean, people in their homes who cannot, okay. who yeah. cannot eat and cannot eat? That is what difficult is. Know, it's not asking for a derogation from the EU. You know, but and that's they're, the but problem. they're not necessarily linked. You know that there are other measures that, can, that can be we, brought in. How and soon just to will say, people, the, the suite of measures that's due to be announced later this week, how soon will people feel that in their pockets? Do you think, Josefa? Again, I'm not privy to discussions. I, I can only surmise um, from, from, from what I do know is that they do want to go swiftly into people's pockets. I hope that there will be an announcement um, maybe by the end of the week or over the next couple of weeks um, and that people will have something uh, very soon. But it's important to say that after the budget, personal taxation went down and people's incomes uh, went up because it, we were acknowledged and the Tornish to fought yeah. to get these packages, the social welfare package, the tax package right. uh, and the pension we'll, package. Also. We'll have to leave it there. That's all we have time for on that topic. My thanks to Jed Nash, uh, Rose and Josefa will be staying with us. Coming up after the break, will retrofitting your home finally be within reach? Stay with us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back. Minister Eamon Ryan will tomorrow announce details of a new grant that will be offered to help pay for the deep retrofit of homes as part of the bigger home insulation scheme, uh, the biggest one ever offered in the state. Within weeks, you'll be able to apply for the grant, which will cover 80% of the cost of insulating homes and could save you 400 to 500 euro on annual heating bills, we're told. Still with me is Rose Conway-Walsh, TD for Sinn Féin. Josefa Madigan, Minister of State for Special Education and Inclusion. And I'd also like to welcome Hugh Wallace, architect and broadcaster. Um, Hugh, you're very welcome along. Um, on this retrofitting, big area of yours, what do you think about the government plans here? We're hearing over €25,000 on offer to help the likes of insulating your attic, um, doing that retrofit, which we're told will bring down the cost of bills, which we all know about at the moment. I think it's great. I think the issue is the process. So if you like, it's a very complicated process. I'm hoping that they're going to streamline it because otherwise you need to be a mathematician to work it all out. You also have to go through a one-stop shop because the grants are in a whole series of segments that in fact the grants that were available were 35% of the amount of money you were spending. But in my case, for example, I couldn't avail of that because the construction of my walls wouldn't meet the grant to tick the box. So I do hope they're going to eliminate all the difficulties in delivering the grants. It is exceptionally important that we do retrofitting, but we also have to understand that really what we should be trying to achieve is a B2 rather than an A rating because then we can accommodate and do more homes. And this is about, you know, working class people being able to avail of a deep retrofit. And I'm, that, my yeah. concern is they won't be able to. Well, it's the cost of it. So it's, it's one thing saying there's 25, 26,000 euro towards the cost of bringing your home up to that warm standard. But you have to fill the gap, don't you? I mean, you, it doesn't bring you the whole way there, obviously. It no, costs a lot of money to do this it'll job. It'll cost you between 50,000 and 100,000. Right. So, so the grant that was available, and I don't know until tomorrow, but hopefully it'll be more, was 35% of that. But what I get completely mind-blown about is that if you spend 50 grand, the government take 12... 13.5% in tax back. So the grant they're giving you isn't the 25, it's actually 18 because they're clawing back the VAT anyway. So there's a whole, you know, opportunity here 
and that should be removed from anything to do with retrofitting. Yeah. Is that going to happen, Josefa, around this? So instead of the government giving with one hand and taking with the other, that really when you get that money, um, that's it. And we will be removing the, the, the VAT on, on the job to get your home warmer. Mm. And, you know, because it's not just for you. This is the whole argument, isn't it? Yeah. It's to make the country more sustainable, to make our homes more sustainable for everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're a little bit in the dark because we don't actually know what 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 they're what they're going to okay. what the, what's the memo to cabinet we are tomorrow. Hearing, Anna, just, we, just, we have heard just, quite a bit on it though, Josie. Just to well, say, no. we're hearing twenty six thousand euro of the fifty three thousand euro cost of deep okay. retrofitting works on an average hollow block semi D home with an E two well, rating. I'm sure. A, if I could just make a wider I'm point, I'm sure Hugh is familiar with that. So I, that's what I, we I are hearing. I don't have the memo to government. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. not at cabinet. But but I, but what I do want to say is that there are. Um, there is a commitment uh, that's given that we will have 500,000 homes um, retrofitted by 2030. Uh, and my understanding is that we only had around 17,000 in 2020. So we do need to change that and we need a significant uh, more of an uptake. Um, so, and I think some of the points well, that the Hugh raises are not the without merit. The money ran out last year. Uh, so, 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 so I hope of an incentive for people. I hope people. that is incentive. I mean, it, it is, you know, and, 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 and um, Hugh talked about, you know, the ordinary person out there. Um, we want everybody to be in a position to be able to ret retrofit their house. Uh, was Fine Gael who gave this commitment about the 500,000? That's why we have the carbon tax, because we're putting 5 right. billion in place, which yeah. we discussed earlier, okay. so yeah. that we can retrofit Rose, homes. So, but we so want people to be able to take it up. up so this is what we're hearing. It's so the mm. ordinary person, um, which we're all ordinary, mm. but you know, mm. so that anyone and any yeah. homeowner mm. can, can say, yes, I will embark on this job, because it's a big job. It is, of course, and I think this is the concern that it will be beyond reach of those who need it most, those whose houses are, you know, at the moment are, are very low rating. I think it is going to be a B2 rating, but the problem is if people don't have the money to put up front. So I think the measures there, it, need, it needs to be accessible. It needs to be not if you tick this box, A, B and C. The other major concern I have is that there aren't enough qualified workers because we've huge backlogs mm. in apprenticeships, uh, particularly in the trades apprenticeships and uh, in other workers. So if we don't have the labour there, then that's going can, to be held back as well. Can I ask you about making it more accessible and mm. what Sinn Féin would, would do to make the likes of a, of a retrofit more accessible or more affordable to people? Well, it's that the different measures that would respond to the individual houses. So for instance, it's, it's okay having your cavity walls done or having your ceiling done, but if your windows and your doors aren't fit for a purpose, then they have to be looked at as well. In terms of the housing aid, say for older people, okay. the grants that are there already, the, 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 the eligibility for those have been pushed out in recent years as well. And the caps again are there. So there's a cap, say in Mayor County Council of eight and a half thousand there. That needs to be moved up. My concern, all of the time, and I'm dealing with these on a daily basis, is that the people who need the most are the people who cannot avail of them because they don't have the money to bridge the gap between what's been demanded and, uh, and, and, and the grant that's been yeah. given. Uh, that is the point, the overriding point that seems to be made. Like, we're talking about the cost of living uh, and people having to choose between food and fuel. And then we have a big announcement around a retrofit, which is not fully paid for by the state. So that, no. that's going to be a hard sell, isn't not it, Not only Hugh? that, but you only get the grant when you've paid for it. So there's no bridging. So, you know, you have to pay the 50,000 before you get the grant back. 
So how is that, that this funded? Isn't this, yes. How is that funded? What we're hearing is this isn't going to be an, up, an upfront payment. It'll come after the job is done. That's the way mm. the grant has to be done after somebody's gone along, well, I mean, ticked the box, signed it and said, yes, that work is done, it's approved, and you get your grant. But I'm, my question is, how is that funded? Because this is all about, uh, you know, you, you can't go out and get bridging. You can't go out and say, well, I've got this grant, so give me a loan towards the, you know. So I just don't think everything, all the, all the dots haven't been connected. And I think it's so important for the country that the dots are connected. I, I think there's confidence within government I, I, that this is going to be a success. I, I think that streamlined sort of approach and, and that cohesion uh, from an administrative perspective as well is really important because you want to incentivise people. And at the end of the day, it's, it's about trying to reduce people's household yeah. fuel bills by, you know, I think that the, the last estimate was about four to 500 a year, but maybe perhaps it'll be more after this. So, you know, hopefully tomorrow we will see... A, a, some more yeah. sort okay, of Okay, but um, just a key part of the plan, and you mentioned there, Hugh, is this one-stop shop. So that offers this, you know, imagine it, you know, an end-to-end -end service. So you log on, you say, I want to do, you go online, for example, or you apply for it. Like a portal and, or something. Yes, yeah. and then the next step is, right, hello. I'm not sure what way mm. it'll work, but then the issue that Rose brought up mm. about the labour, someone to do the mm, job. Mm. Are well, there I, going to be people to do the job? Yeah, and look, I know Minister Harris is looking around the workforce planning in terms of third level, trying to you know, get more people involved in, in apprenticeships and trainees um, and, and, and trades people, because but obviously that's going there, to take there has a while. been... Some, that's it, going it, to take it, a while it does to take a while. We're also and, embarking on this big yeah, housing programme. We have, have 2.1 million people in employment in Ireland, which, which is a good thing. Um, and the economy has recovered a lot better than we thought that it would, um, mainly because of the direct support from government. So we hope that it will continue. Right. A, a quick question on this one, though. If you're hitting retirement age, you're a couple, and you're in your E2 rated home, what is the big incentive <coughs> to go and spend all that money now uh, to retrofit? There isn't, because you'll never get it back within your lifespan. Because the You're costs here, costs, no, no, the, sa costs, the, no. the savings, uh, just to be quite clear, the savings are there over a period of 15 to 20 years. That's the cost of the repayment. And somebody is saying, well, I'm giving you a grant of 25,000. You aren't. You're giving me a grant of 18 because I'm paying the, back, the rest of it back mm. in VAT. So I, I just think, again, so what should, it is so important yeah. that we do this. What and do you, the grants should be much higher, that okay. they should be streamlined, that they should be supported from the outset. So that is actually what is, is required. And this is about making council houses and bringing them up to, up to a standard as well. Interestingly, in the Midlands, there's eight, there was 80% available. In, in the Midlands for housing estates, corporation houses and houses run by, by and, housing bodies. Of course, Claire, I'm very conscious that tonight there will be the thousands of homeowners who are impacted by pyrite and MICA watching oh. this and watching their homes falling down and they'll be saying, where is our scheme mm -hmm. and what's in it for us? And that scheme needs to be absolutely expedited and they need 100% redress as well. Yeah, Which isn't that Because their impact... Which isn't happening. They are not no, getting 100% redressed. No, and, and they're, they're far shy of it. No, but it is, and many other factors as well, but there needs to be an urgency and, around and, and it. And but, Rose but, knows that that's, that's going to be. But we're 10 years into this. Yeah, yeah. And no, okay. I think it's very disappointing. 
there's a but conversation is still has, taking has place 10 years later. I'm on, on, on trying to, to get that sorted, and it has been sorted, is my understanding. Oh, right. Well, I'm not sure if everyone's not happy with the arrangement that's in place. Yeah. So um, that story goes on for many people in, in Mayo, Donegal and other parts of the country. I want to look at, at you know, the idea of regeneration and, and the town for centre first. This is another you know, a big announcement we're getting to bring 4,500 derelict buildings back into use in town centres by 2026. Um, from your point of view, looking at your constituency, you're in Mayo, is this achievable, do you think? Is this something to be welcomed or do you still believe there's a lot of red tape about getting to those targets, Rose? There's still an awful lot of red tape and communications between central government and, and the local authorities really need to improve around this because you have things banded from, from, from one department, central government to local government. Local governments need to be empowered to do the works that need well, to be carried out this, and to do yeah. the rejuvenation that's needed in, in the towns. It's desperately needed and it can be done uh, if the will is there, if the resources are there, if they're given to local authorities, if they're given the autonomy to be able to, they know what's needed in, the, in, in their own towns. They know where the buildings are and uh, they, that can be achieved, absolutely, and it has to be achieved. Yeah, it's been one of the things that's been said, derelict buildings, focus on them and you will bring a lot more houses, um, a lot more homes for people. Um, onto the market and available. Um, do you think there's enough urgency about dealing with these, these derelict so houses and, I mean, let, and making our town centres yeah, vibrant again? So and you can drive around anywhere, New Ross, Boyle, anywhere, they're empty, above the shop. And they're above, the reason for that is you have building control legislation that revolves around new builds and it's being shoved into old builds. And Therefore, you can't get the property up to the standard that you require. So there needs to be streamlining and derogations yeah. uh, in relation to this. So I'll give you an example. If you have a ground floor shop and you have three floors overhead and you put in three apartments, one on each floor, mm. you can use one staircase. But in a lot of cases, in our towns, the floor place is too small. So it becomes an individual house over three floors. But in that case, you need a second staircase okay. to comply with fire regulations. So you think there, there needs to be... Rationalisation. This is, it's just balmy. So, so I what can, do you do there? Like, I mean, you mentioned fire regs. I mean, these are no, things... No, but I can have three apartments in the yeah. building but on do, one do, do, staircase. Do, 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 but if I have an individual house, I need two staircases. Yeah. Like, how balmy is that? Just to say, like, this is a major rural regeneration programme, the town centre first, and sort of to tackle vacancy and combat dereliction and use I, the, use these, these properties that haven't been used. And it will be, the local authorities will support local communities to have their town first plans. There, there will issue, be though, officers it, there to, to support it as well and it'll help with the urban regeneration. Isn't there fund. an issue though with red tape about getting this done? I mean, we do want to see people back in our towns, but well, it's well, not as straightforward as saying, you know, the will well, is there. Launched, Are there practical steps to make it actually achievable? Yeah, like what's and, being suggested here for and a half thousand derelict buildings back into use. That's yeah. within but there you are know, 90, the, the, I mean, a couple this, this of years, was, 2026. This was launched already um, this year in February and two million has already gone to 26 
different counties um, to, 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 to get, try and get this up and running because we have to breathe life into these urban centres and, and he was right about that and kind of and I do think the remote working um, even though Jed wasn't so for it that, that, that remote working strategy will help as well in terms of remote working hubs within these uh, towns as well which will create do you want them? opportunities Does government want these remote working hubs or do they want to see people well, it's, not it's, back it's, in it's, offices? If, if they want to some people do some people don't and that's the choice that's between the employer and employee or if they make might be self-employed and they may so wish to do it um, and there will be you know more footfall for local shops and, and that sort of thing so it's about kind of trying to rejuvenate the town okay. centre itself. Um, okay all right there we'll have to leave it my thanks to Rose Conway Walsh, Josepha Madigan and Hugh Wallace. Stay with us after the break we'll be discussing Ireland and the UK's joint bid to host UEFA Euro 2028 and whether or not we stand a chance. Welcome back. The FAI has confirmed that it will be part of a joint bid with the football associations of Northern Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales to host Euro 2028. CEO of the FAI, Jonathan Hill, spoke about the proposal and alluded to a favourable reception from government. This is Ireland uh, working on the international global football stage. And uh, what we want to be seen as is that modern, progressive and fit for purpose type of uh, national governing body and football association that can play on that global stage. We're working with government now, with the Irish government now, to, um, to look at all of those, um, those impacts and in particular the, uh, the economic impact. Um, but uh, for now, uh, the government are very positive uh, to work with us in relation to the bid. Well, in, in studio now to discuss this is Mark Ty, reporter for the Sunday Times. And Mark, um, we've heard who's in on the bid. What's the likelihood of it actually being successful? Yeah, I suppose we have to see who we're up against. There's talk of uh, the Turkish FA, uh, there's talk of a Scandinavian bid, of maybe four countries as well, a talk of a, a Balkan bid involving Greece, Romania, Serbia, um, and one other to escape my, my, my mind. So we have to see, this. at the moment we're just evaluating you know, what can we put on the table? So if in Ireland, you know, we're, when we're talking about the World Cup, we're talking about opening the World Cup with a match in Crow Park. So we're not going to go for the World Cup now. We're, we've plan B. Yes, go tell for us about that, because there was this, similarly, it was with, you know, the UK and, and, uh, and Ireland on this World Cup 2030 idea. Has that all fallen by the wayside now? That's forget been, about it. That's, we can Euro, forget about Euros are the new World Cup. Yeah, so this is plan B, I suppose, in terms of hosting a major tournament. We were supposed to have uh, four games for the Euro uh, 2020 last year, delayed because of COVID, and we lost those games at the last minute because we couldn't get any fans in because of what the Neffet advice was. Uh, we've Since John Delaney's era, we've been uh, talking about this joint bid with the UK associations, um, and that's been abandoned completely. There was other bids like China, uh, Spain and Portugal who have stronger bids, political, a lot of political backing for those. So this is our plan B for hosting a major tournament. Yeah, and you mentioned there about the Euros and the fact that because of the public health guidance, we couldn't host any matches here. They would have been the perfect testing ground. Do you know how we'd fare or what's available to us in terms of, I suppose the government will support this, but the stadiums available, pulling out all the stops and making um, not just soccer stadiums available, but bringing the GAA and Crow Park in on this bid? Yeah, our, our major assets, I suppose, are the, uh, the stadium of the GAA stadium of Crow Park, which would fit some 75,000, 76,000 at full seater capacity, and then the Aviva Stadium. 
Um, Northern Ireland, the Irish Football Association, doesn't have a stadium. There's talk about uh, a, a revamped GA stadium there um, being brought onto that, that a minimum of 30 to 40,000 capacity. So that's, in terms of the island of Ireland, that's what we'd have to offer. And obviously there's big stadiums in Scotland, England and Wales. So what's all of this going to cost? Um, we know that Boris Johnson last year pledged 2.8 million sterling for a feasibility study, and that was just into the UK and Ireland hosting the World, the World Cup. Um, I mean, that's, that's a study looking at how something may be feasible. Mm. For the Euros, for the outlay, what it'll cost the taxpayer and whether it'll all be worth it. Yeah. These are the big questions now. That's what, we, what we're paying the money for now. The government has agreed to back a feasibility study. We've already spent some 150,000 of taxpayer money because the FEI is more or less broke, as we know, from its you know, bailout before COVID uh, because of all the issues that happened under John Delaney. So uh, we're doing a feasibility study. There's been previous studies showing that, you know, the four matches in Euro 2020, if they'd have happened, would have brought in 104 million into Dublin and Ireland um, in terms of economic benefit. Talking to a lot of football people today, you know, the FEI launched their four-year strategy today, you know, outlining how they're going to grow the game, rescue it from where it is and kind of the doldrums, grow the game. And it's kind of been really overshadowed by this announcement this morning that we're going for the Euro 2028 bit. So a bit of head scratching on the, the, the public relations side of things, you know, why why all this is coming out on the same day, possibly because the other four associations had to, had to release it. But yeah, the FBI will be very much relying on government support and government finance to get this bid rolling. Yeah, so are some saying essentially that the FAI have a lot of, you know, cleaning up to do, they, they need to, you, you talked about a, a branding. What's, what was announced tonight that we haven't heard about that kind of got, got lost along the way and, and perhaps this is where the focus should be? Yeah, like, and that's... There's, there's still a, a big uh, issue, you know, should we even be going into this 2028 bid? You know, should the CEO and Jonathan Hill and the FBI board be focusing solely in kind of building the game? Like the FBI has lost out in recent years to GA and the IRFU in encroaching on their ter traditional territories. You know, they're not in all the schools as, as much as the GA. So there was uh, firm commitments today in this four-year strategy that the FBI was going to rebrand. That's going to happen. There will be no more FBI. It'll have a new name. We'll see that in the next uh, year and a bit that the FBI is committing to getting into at least 50% of all Irish schools, you know, in terms of recruiting the next generation of players, you know, for, for Stephen Kenny and so on. So there's, a, there's talk about creating a third tier in the League of Ireland and talk about really professionalising the game in the League of Ireland and making sure that the Irish League, which is currently ranked below the likes of Kosovo, is ranked in the top 30 leagues in Europe. So a lot of kind of firm commitments, but not a lot of real meat on the bones in terms of how that's so going to happen. So is there potential for all of this to happen when at the same time we're looking at this Euro 2028 um, bid that, you know, we're going to have all the other, you know, the, the, the rest of the UK, uh, the, the UK involved in that and we're going to have Wales and Scotland and, and England all with their own say and all the politics that will go with that when we have these issues back home? Well, that's highly questionable, yeah, because... There's got, there has to be a firm, you know, we're going up against other associations, other bids. Um, the game here needs a lot of care and attention. There's a lot of politics in terms of amateur football, League of Ireland. If, if, if we are going to bid, we'll probably have to fix up Crow Park to take in international media. We'll ask, we put five million into the Aviva Stadium just to host Euro 2020 games. Five million euro if we went to Finn Park in Bally Buffet or went to help the, re the revamp of Daly Mount in Fisborough. Mm. That would go a long way to making those stadiums up to a proper, proper work, uh, modern stadiums. At the moment, League of Ireland standards in terms of stadiums, other than Tallaght Stadium, they're really just not up to scratch. So there is a lot of concern that you know, the FBI's focus should be on amateur football, League of Ireland, getting that football pyramid right and not 
you know, this kind of high prestige, um, you know, glory of hosting a, a couple of matches for Euro 2028. And briefly, the violence in scenes that we saw in England last year at some of the Euro games, is this likely to potentially affect that bit as well? The British media are reporting that that will not have an effect, but, you know, it's, it's, it'll be only seven uh, years since that happened when Euro 2028 happened, so you'd have to think, you know, there'll be some in UEFA that would have concerns over, you know, those appalling scenes at Wembley. OK, we'll have to see where that goes from here. Uh, thanks to you, Mark. And that is it from us. Uh, my thanks to all our guests tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. But from all the late team here, good night. Do take care. is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.